Thank you, Ruth. Well, good morning, Door of Hope. How are we? Uh, Can you turn to the person next to you or around you and notify them of something good? Maybe they smell good. Maybe they've had uh, a new haircut. Maybe you just like their smile. Now you can uh, turn back to them and say, you've been notified. Hopefully it was good. Hopefully you said good things about the person sitting next to them because you're going to be sitting next to them for the next couple of hours, maybe four or five hours as I uh, talk through Titus with us this morning. So be comfortable. If, if uh, someone did say something nasty to you, then there are some free seats up the front here. Um, yeah, come and sit up here. That would be good. But uh, what a privilege it is. Uh, we're in a new season, a new series called Notified, and um, it is actually a privilege to be able to bring to you God's Word this morning. Um, I think God's Word is so powerful and active in our lives and in our world uh, without us even knowing it, and to open it this morning is such a privilege. Um, but I have this question for you. I wonder how many notifications you received this week on your phone. Uh, just on your phone. You know, the average Australian receives around about 50 notifications a day on their phone. That's a fair few notifications. Uh, Emails, messages, trading, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, your favourite train game. Yep, I know who you are. Oh, where is he? No, he's not here. Oh, dear. Uh, Other people play lots of games. Uh, Yep, games, we're talking about that this morning. There are many, many hours spent on our phones. Um, But it's not about that today. It's about God's Word. A few months ago, Tim Fry asked me this uh, question. He said, if the Apostle Paul were to bring a notification, bring a message to Door of Hope in 2021, what would he say? And I thought, wow, what a great question. And uh, I thought about that for a little while, and yeah, I believe he would bring to us Titus this morning. It is packed full of wisdom, packed full of um, just some great thoughts on how we can... Oh, what's going on? Yeah, we're talking about Titus. I bet you didn't expect a rap. What's happening? I didn't even expect that. What's happening there? Um, But that was Zach. You've probably seen a little bit of his face around. Um, Wow. Are you ready? Are you ready? If you're taking notes, uh, get your phones out. Um, Turn off those notifications. Uh, The title of this message is Titus, be eager, be ready, be intent. 
So that's it. Um, our main text for today comes from Titus chapter 2, 11 to 3, 8. So there's a bit of a chunk here. I would encourage you throughout your week to uh, sit down and read the whole book of Titus uh, throughout your week so that you can get a little bit more context of what we're talking about here this morning. But uh, here's chapter 2, verse 11, 3 to 8. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people. Say, all people. Yes, even that person sitting next to you. It trains us to reject godless ways and worldly desires and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in the present age. As we wait for the happy fulfilment of our hope in the glorious appearing of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ, he gave himself for us to set us free from every kind of lawlessness and to purify for himself a people who are truly his who are eager to do good. Everyone say, eager to do good. Oh, you sound so great this morning. Eager to do good. So communicate these things with the sort of exhortation or rebuke that carries full authority. Don't let anyone look down on you. Remind them to be subjects to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work. Say, ready for every good work. This is great. They must not slander anyone, but be peaceable, gentle, showing complete courtesy to all people. For we too were once foolish, disobedient, misled, enslaved to various passions and desires, spending our lives in evil and envy, hateful and hating one another. But when the kindness of our God and Saviour and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us not by works of righteousness that we have done, but on the basis of his mercy, through the washing of the new birth and the renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us in full measure through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so, since we have been justified by his grace, we become heirs with the confident expectation of eternal life. This saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on such truths so that those who have placed their faith in God may be intent on engaging in good works. These things are good and beneficial for all people. Say, all people. Let me pray. Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for Titus. I pray that we would have ears to hear and hearts that are softened, so that your spirit would speak to us. You would rebuke us, you would encourage us, you would inspire us to do good works, to fulfill some of these things that are in Titus here. I thank you that we don't have to do it in our own strength, but you give us your spirit to encourage and guide us. I pray this morning we would encounter you, your word would read us, and we would go out into our week feeling inspired to do good works in your mighty name. Amen. So uh, as I was saying before, lots of notifications coming in on your phone. Did you know that the average Australian spends around five and a half hours on their phone? Screen time. I know that uh, 9.30 a.m. on a Sunday morning, I'll get a notification on my phone saying what my screen time was. I wonder if any of you guys get that. It's kind of, I think it's 9.30 on a Sunday so that I can look at that and go, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Lord, for all the screen time I've had. I'm sorry. 
Uh, but yeah, there's a slide on the screen. That kind of equates to 17 years of your life. That's a long time looking at a screen. I wonder if that time is, is having great global impact or not. Um, but you might think, oh, I don't spend five and a half hours on my phone. You might only spend two. That's still eight years of your life. That's a fair chunk of your life. But it's not just our phone that consumes our time. It's not just our phone. It's, it's everything that's out of control. Our world is a mess. When we look at it, we're a mess, if we are honest with ourselves. Anxiety, addiction, selfishness, squabbling, debt, darkness. Some of the issues that Titus faced are what we face today. No phones, of course, but Titus was sent to Crete uh, by Paul. So Titus and Paul had a pretty close relationship. They were journeying together for a number of years, four, five, six years, tight together, Titus and Paul, learning, discovering discipleship. And uh, Paul gave Titus this mission, this thing that he needed to do, and it wasn't an easy assignment for him. You see, the the church of Crete, which is just an island off Greece, uh, had been established. Paul had seen uh, great potential in Crete because uh, it had lots of ports, so he could see that the gospel could go out really easily from here if the churches could fulfill the mission of the gospel. And uh, unfortunately, the church leaders had become corrupt. They'd become selfish in their own ways. They were greedy. And uh, this was the place that Paul was sending Titus into. And he was instructed. And this letter of Titus is, is giving him some of these um, instructions for Titus to go into this place. Instructions on how to fix the selfishness and the ungodliness which had overtaken the church. Chapter 1 centres on around Titus's tasks. We read Titus 1, verse 1 to 2. It says, teach them to know the truth. That shows them how to live godly lives. This truth gives them confidence that they have eternal life. Teach truth. Show how to live godly lives. Restore confidence of salvation. This isn't going to be an easy task for Titus, an ongoing battle and one that we still face today. And Titus needed to be eager. He needed to be ready and he needed to be intent on what he was going to do. Chapter 2 gives us a picture of the intended church and outlines some of the things Titus is to teach. Self-control, filled with love and peace, be eager to do good. Chapter 3, which we've read some of that this morning, brings into view the new life and the way of living the gospel, what that could create in the people of Crete and what that would mean for the world at large. So before we dig into Titus a little bit more, we're going to check out this clip. Hopefully it's encouraging for you. Yes, you live in a world where evil still exists, but the one who conquered sin and death is still with you. It is a disastrous duo, the evil outside us and the evil that still remains inside us. It is not just that we live in a world where evil still exists. If that were our only problem, life would be much easier and simpler. No, the danger of the external evil that we all face every day is made incredibly greater by the evil that lives inside us. You see, it is only ever the evil inside you that magnetizes you to the evil outside you. Sin is only ever attractive to a sinner. It really is true. To the pure, all things are pure. 
The problem is none of us are yet completely pure. Yes, by the operation of powerful grace, we are purer than we once were. But here's our dilemma. Our purification from sin, that work that will not end until every last microbe of sin is eradicated from every single cell of every heart of every believer, is a lifelong process and not a single event. The process of heart purification is taking place in an environment of a dramatically broken world that is not functioning as God intended and where evil lurks around every corner. There is not a day in our lives when internal and external evil does not intersect somehow, somewhere. Are you discouraged as you hear this? Does it seem to you that God's will is both irrational and impossible? As if life in the fallen world is the ultimate nasty trick? Well, you must remember, you have not been sent out into this world to do it alone. You have not been asked to do the impossible in your own strength. You have not been asked to journey through this dark world all by yourself. And you surely haven't been asked to comfort yourself by denying the presence and power of the internal and external evil that you do with every day. As Jesus was sending out his disciples, he said something that really changes everything. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus doesn't send us out with a pack of principles and promises. He doesn't just guide our travels with a set of rules. No, he, he does so much more. He comes with us. He knows that we'll never make it unless he is with us in every moment of every situation, location, and relationship. He is not a rescue squad that leaps into action in our moment of trouble. He is there with us in trouble because he's been with us all along. In our struggle with evil, he gives us the only gift that will ever help us. He gives us himself because he knows that in him, we really do find everything we need until our journey has ended. Yeah, give that a clap. It's very powerful. In him, we find everything we need until our journey is ended. Titus 1, 2. Oh, yeah, there we go. Titus 1, 2 says, This truth gives them confidence that they have eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised them before the world began. The reason that uh, this particular phrase was important, that Paul was saying God does not lie, and the message that Titus had to bring to the people of Crete, was they had beliefs in gods that were notorious for lying to get what they wanted. And in fact, most of the people in Crete were well known for doing whatever it was they could for selfish gain. Um, and that had crept into the church, that culture. So coming in and saying, this is about a God who does not lie, distinguished God from the gods that they knew. In Titus 1-2, we see eternal life is a promise from God. We can be confident because we know God does not lie. Titus is instructed to teach. Therefore, hopefully, the Cretans are learning. I wonder what are some of the things that you have been learning uh, over maybe when we were in lockdown a couple, uh, maybe 18 months ago, maybe again this week, who knows? What are some of the ridiculous things that you've learned? Uh, maybe you tried learning the recorder. 
Um, I know my son's trying to learn tying his shoes at the moment, and it's, uh, it can be frustrating. Some of you have uh, taught people how to drive. Uh, some of you have learned how to drive yourself. Maybe some shouldn't have their license and still <laughs> maybe need to relearn some things. Um, but there are some pretty silly things that one can learn. Um, but hopefully, in the learning process, um, we're listening, we're ready, we're intent. And if we can learn from God's word, if we can learn from Titus, hopefully we can pick up some things that will change our lives. Titus was sent to teach. Hopefully the Cretans were learning. You see, I'm confident here that I can solve this Rubik's Cube uh, because I've learnt the secret to solving the Rubik's Cube and its many uh, algorithms and getting all the colours. Is there anyone here that can solve the Rubik's Cube? There's, there's a couple of hands. You see, it's not a common thing. There are not a whole lot of people that can solve the Rubik's Cube. It's something that you need to learn. Um, and uh, fortunately, Zach here, come up here, Zach. Zach has learnt the secret of the cube. Um, so he's going to solve it. Actually, wait, because this... I'm going to get... Wait, before... Scramble it up, because it could be rigged, you know? You can't trust... Can we I trust? Mean, it's probably, probably harder if it's rigged. It's harder if it's rigged. <laughs> So learning, unlike solving a Rubik's Cube, Paul isn't talking about uh, solving anything, doing anything we can achieve. Here we go. Uh, give a hand for Zach. He's going to solve this cube. We're going to keep going. We read in Titus 2.11, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. The idea of all people here is really important. Paul doesn't want Titus or us for any matter to be selective in who we share the gospel with. We don't want to pick and choose who we show good works to. Titus himself would have been aware of this because he was a Gentile. Jesus in Matthew 5 says this, You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbour and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be like your heavenly father since he causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. I'm so thankful that he sends his rain on the righteous and the unrighteous because I understand that I am the unrighteous that he is sending his rain on. Wow, he's getting pretty good at this. Can we give a hand for Zach? We can see living a godly life isn't all about me. It must include others. It isn't just about doing good to those close or the people who can return the favour. Titus 3, 1, 2 says this, Remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, that they must not slander anyone, but be peaceable, gentle, showing complete courtesy for all people. <laughs> Give him a hand. Is there nothing this man cannot do? <laughs> it's, it's great to watch. You see, this verse here, Titus 3, 1, speaks into the time we're in now. And I won't go too much into it politically, but it is hard to hear the words that Titus has to say here about obedience. Last week I read Titus 3 to someone who had never read a word of the Bible. They're 40 years old, and as we sat with the Bible open, they were nervous. 
They had their arms crossed like this. You could see that it was tense. So I asked them, what's going on for you here? And they said, I've never read a word of the Bible. And I was like, great, let's start with Titus 3. (laughs) So they read Titus 3 there. And I, I would let them read it. And I was sort of watching their face, having my coffee. And uh, after they read it, I was like, so, what did you think? And they shook their head, no, I don't like it. And I was like, wow, okay, what didn't you like about it? It's like, don't like the language. I don't like obedience. I don't like what it has to say. I want to live my way. I don't want to be told what to do. And it was interesting because on first look I thought, oh, yes, that's because your heart's sinful and you're disobedient and that sort of thing. But no, that's the same with my heart. I don't like being told what to do. I am also disobedient. So when we read Titus here, he's not just speaking to the Cretans, he's speaking to us, to our disobedient hearts, to my disobedient heart. So I didn't go too far there with uh, the person that read this because we had some things to discuss, but my hope here is that Titus 3 would continue to work, the Holy Spirit would continue to work in this person's heart as it would in ours. If we are honest, disobedience is our default nature. Titus' task, among other things, was to train the Cretans to renounce ungodly and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, to become faithful followers. If Paul was to write us an email today, if he was to notify us today, I believe he would want us to this. Titus 2.12, he would want us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in the present age. He would want us to, to Titus 14, he would want Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify himself for people, for his own possession, who are zealous for good works. Zealous for good works. I'm not sure if you know uh, what zealous means. Or when the last time you were zealous for anything. I know that I've been teaching my son Judah how to solve a Rubik's Cube and Look, he is zealous for that and to the point where he won't eat his food or he won't get dressed or he won't do any of the other things that he's supposed to be doing. It's kind of like that with the Pokemon cards that he has at the moment. He's zealous for Pokemon cards. And uh, there was a great meme that um, Beck showed me this morning as of this lady that just looks bewildered. She's driving along and her son's telling her about the hundred Pokemon cards and all the details there about them, and she's having to nod and agree. Zealous for things, zealous for solving cubes. I wonder when the last time you learnt something and you were zealous for it. Maybe it was skateboarding or rollerblading or knitting or something that you just got on and you were just so pumped about. But the, the definition of zealous is filled with or showing strong and energetic desire to get something done or see something succeed. Enthusiastic, excited, fanatic about doing good works. I wonder if that's my state. Am I that enthusiastic about seeing the kingdom of God grow, uh, mature in my heart and the people around me? Galatians 6, 8, 10 says this. 
Because the person who sows to his own flesh will reap corruption from the flesh. But the one who sows to the Spirit will reap eternal life from the Spirit. So we must not grow weary in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not give up. So then whenever we have an opportunity, let us do good to all people and especially to those who belong to the family of faith. If Paul was sending us a notification, he would want us to, Titus 2.15, declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. It's time to know the truth, to restore confidence, to stand up for right living, knowing that Matthew 28.20 is true. I am with you to the end of the age. You see, Jesus is with you always. He is with me always to the end of the age. Will you accept him daily, know the truth and live a godly life so that you can be confident yourself and many others you invest in will be with Jesus, not only to the end of this age, but for the rest of eternity. Thankfully, we can bring our disobedient hearts and minds to him. It's not up to us. It's because of Jesus' obedience, not our own, that helps us to be eager, ready, intent on doing good works. It's because of Jesus' sacrifice, not our own. We can renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in the present age. Will we allow his word to teach us, his spirit to guide us so he can transform the way we live? Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you so much for Titus. Thank you for the word in this book. Thank you for the rebuke and the encouragement. Thank you that it reminds us that we each have disobedient hearts and that it is so easy to stray away from what is important and to consume our minds and our times with things that don't matter. Well, I pray that right now in this place, in this time, we would each recognise some areas in our lives that might be disobedient, that have become like the Cretans, following worldly passions. Maybe it's unhealthy patterns of addiction. It's too much alcohol. Pornography. Selfishness. Maybe it's too much screen time. Father, I pray that as your spirit moves and convicts our hearts, that we would be attentive that we would bring those things to you, we would bring our disobedient hearts to you so that you could lift us up, so that you could give us the will and the desire to please you, so that we would be intent on doing good works. We would be intent and eager and ready to do your will. I pray that as we submit to you, as we obey you, 
you would continue to stir within us an urgency for the times that we're in, an urgency for the people around us. Here this morning, you might feel like there's not much, not much left to give. lay that at his feet. The lack of energy, the confusion. Bring that this morning, knowing that he is faithful. Knowing that he encourages us and empowers us with his spirit. He does not leave us orphaned. Maybe this morning everything's going great for you. Maybe it's time to encourage someone else, to draw alongside other people, to shake off the dust, to stir up good works, and to be notified that God is good. Father, I thank you for your word. I pray that we would be encouraged and inspired to go out into our week, knowing that you are with us and you are stirring us on to good.